Hey, Phil. Hey, Laurie. Hey, Judith. Hi. Judith, thank you so much for joining us on the show this week. Listeners, you've heard me go on and on and on about the fact that we're expecting our second baby. And this, the baby's still not arrived. I don't know. It must be sort of, I don't know, making campfires, setting up a bit of a nest for itself, not eager to come out. How do you feel about Laurie talking about you like that, Judith? Yeah, I would have happily read my book instead, but I was co- coerced <laughs> into into sitting here. You know, you've got your fans out there, Judith. People have been clamouring to hear from you. They and do. Especially People get seeing, in touch. Seeing as we've been talking about you so much, I thought it's only really fair that the listeners get a little bit of an update on how you're doing. I am doing very well, thank you. Well, glad to have sadly, you. Sadly, I haven't had much time to do film watching. Oh, that's a shame, mm. that's a shame. I, we've watched a couple of films together, haven't we? Yeah, La La Land was the last. Oh, La La Land. La so La you're going to be able to weigh in on some of these, but not probably not much of the, the films we're reviewing this week. No, I haven't seen any of them. What films have we seen this week, Laurie? Well, I have been to see Logan, as have you, Phil... Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. You saw the press screening. I went as a punter. Yeah, I went a couple of weeks ago. Hugh Jackman hangs up his claws, or does he? Question mark. And you have gone to see Moonlight, the Oscar-winning movie. Isn't it funny how the only film which we didn't see (laughs) of all the films... It's the one that won. I can't so. believe it's so annoying because we went. To, we managed to see everything else. I think it was just the scheduling. It was always on quite late. Yeah, and time. it was one of the ones which came out way later in uh, the UK. So don't blame us. And I've also got the review for The Great Wall here. We'd actually recorded that for last week, but I left it out because otherwise the episode would have gone on forever and ever. So look forward to my thoughts on Matt Damon as the hero of the, uh, the East. Here of the East, yeah, not the yeah, West. Not the well, West, no, that makes Here of the West and East. Mm, how about that? Uh, and then, of course, we're going to do an Oscars breakdown. The big news came out on Monday morning for us, unless you stayed up super late on Sunday night to watch it all live. And you did, Laurie, didn't you? Because you were on the BBC Oxford doing the debrief, weren't yes, you? Yes, I definitely stayed awake all night. Yes, <laughs> I definitely didn't really quickly scan all the news stories. Uh, yeah, that's right, listeners. I was on Radio Oxford at 20 past seven in the morning on Monday giving a, a brief Oscars little thingamajig so you can actually find me on BBC Oxford on the iPlayer. It's exciting. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, Anything else we're going to do? We don't have many emails that we can really read out this week because they've all been about the Brewards nominations. Which is awesome, isn't it? That's really cool. I'm so glad people are getting in touch about that. Thank you so much for the tweets that we've already got and emails coming in as well. Please keep yours coming in. If you haven't seen the categories, and just, I should explain as well, we have to keep doing this, don't we? The Brewards are our own nominations for 2017. Not really Oscars-based. They're all kind of silly or kind of quirky. You can find the full list of categories on our Twitter profile at the moment and I will add it to the website ASAP but we want to hear your nominations who should win please try and keep your nominations to roughly within the last year unless you've got something so amazing from the past that you just have to share it yeah thank you thank you yeah but we're going to do something else instead of emails for that reason yeah I think we might just kind of catch up you know we've been watching movies I thought we were going to be on a break thanks very much Judith for <laughs> keeping us working hard no thanks to me yeah cheers Judith thanks very much um, but maybe we could just catch up on the films we've been watching yeah do a little bit of what we've been watching mini yeah, that'd be yeah, fun yeah. alright so we're really rambling it's a nice sort of uh, conversational it's podcast it's because it's sunny we're casual you know uh, it's, all, it's all good man I do it's all feel good. cheerful and you know what this might be our last sort of days of cheerful freedom for a while Judith until That's we very don't, don't keep to, saying uh, that this baby will never come out <laughs> Okay, should we get going? Yes, but should we say a quick thing about Patreon? Thanks so much for those who have supported us on Patreon already. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash superbaileybros. It really doesn't cost that much and it means a lot to us. Yeah, that's right. And they do work hard. Oh, Oh, that's so nice. nice. Uh, Yeah, and send your emails to superbaileybros at gmail.com. Tweet at superbaileybros. As we said before, (laughs) hey, why don't you have your phone out with you? Start typing away as you listen. (laughs) 
Yeah. I feel like we're back in SBB 2017. <laughs> did you enjoy that last I did week? enjoy it. It made me laugh, but I'm not sure. I wonder how it went over with listeners. Mm, okay, let's get cracking. Who is James Howlett? That is uh, the name of Logan, of Wolverine, man. Well, so what's his name? Is it Wolverine or is it Logan or is it James, Phil? It's all of the above. Tell him, please explain how this is truth to me. So James Howlett is the name of the guy... He was born James Howlett and then various incidents happen and then he forgets his memory and he becomes Logan. He gets a new dog tag, dog tag which says Logan. Did they come up with that name, the dog tag people? I, th- I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I can't remember. Phil, There's lots of different on. versions in the comic book and facts lore. <laughs> and then also his like code name is Wolverine. So his, he's Logan now. He used to be James Howlett, but his kind of code name is what the about Wolverine. Hugh? Isn't Hugh one of his names as well? <laughs> Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, man. That's the best of all four of his names. <laughs> now, Laura, I think we need to be quite clear about this okay we haven't reviewed a film together for a long time no we haven't and so we're gonna have to share the airtime mutually <laughs> yeah so agree. how are you feeling I'll, about that? I'll share it you share it yeah t- deal well <laughs> and also i think it's fair to say you have made your feelings on superhero movies in general very very clear it's very true and so i fully am anticipating Do you know what? we've also both made our own predictions on this film explicitly clear on the show yeah when we did the trailer review thing didn't we i almost think we should play that to remind ourselves what we said yeah that? yeah let's play it should let's we do play that now it. Yeah, yeah, here yeah. we go logan which is doing its very very best to be uh, a totally different kind of superhero film every quote and every comment i've seen about it says whoa it's really different from all these other superhero films where it's so different and I think basically you know someone was listening to our podcast where I said I think superhero movies have basically created their own categories so they're not really films anymore and they're like no no they are look 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 here's a, a really old Wolverine look he's got blood on him in some points and look he's got grey hair and he looks really like miserable and that we're doing this really slow camera work that's like it's out of slow west uh, you know oh look it looks really different here's my prediction no, it isn't. It's going to be another superhero film with, if anything, even more cliches that try its hardest possible to convince you there's something more to it than good guys versus bad guys. I'm going in with high expectations because it's exactly, I think, what people have been waiting for. You've which been is, waiting for this, have you? Old which Man is, Wolverine. No, no, no. No, let me finish. Let me finish. I listen very carefully. <laughs> I think it's that people love seeing Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. He's nailed that character. He owns that character. And Patrick Stewart. And realistic, exactly as well, yeah. But realistically, people have been waiting for a film that's actually going to do his performance, his character justice. And this, the thing which I think is looking interesting about this film is it feels like it's slightly stripped back. It feels smaller in its scale and ambition. It's not the end of the world sort of stuff. It seems to be about Logan as a character. But here's the which thing. is kind of what I think these independent films about Wolverine should be about. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry if that uh, upped your bile reaction there, listeners. I was it, did you enjoy listening back to yourself, Rory? <laughs> well, I come across as a bit harsh, don't I? But, <laughs> yeah, um, you do. I do apologise for that. So how do you want to do this, Phil? Should we do an intro, play a clip and then get on with it? Yeah, I think just sum up the plot, play a clip, and then we'll just get into the nitty gritty of it all. So do we have to share the plot summary as well? No. We do it one word at a time? That's a really bad idea. Wolverine. Uh, yeah, so listeners, this is set in the future, some unspecified time in the future, when no new mutants have been born for a long time. So the remaining mutants, who include Wolverine, are starting to think, well, is that all just a thing of the past now? Has mutant kind in the age of mutants moved on? So Wolverine has got a new job as a limo driver, which he doesn't seem particularly excited about. And we discover quite quickly that part of the reason he does this limo driving is to collect enough money to buy enough drugs to help support the health of Professor Xavier, who is very, very old now having to stay in a massive abandoned steel kind of factory thing water tower um and he has got dementia i think he's his mind is declining certainly 
And this seems to have massive impact. He's, he's sort of having these episodes which is really affecting people. So Wolverine spends his days just caring for Professor X and it, everything is an absolute literal shell of what it used to be. And in that, we suddenly find that uh, somebody has recognised who Logan is. He's kind of going undercover. He's not the Wolverine anymore, but somebody has recognised him and says that uh, they need to they need to give, be given a lift by Logan to North Dakota, I think it was. That's right, cross and the border somewhere. And it's this woman and this little girl, and probably you can guess from the trailer, there's some sort of connection, it seems, between Logan and this little girl. That's right. Okay, let's play the trailer, actually, because we don't have really any clips made available to us, and the trailer does a pretty good job. Yeah, let's play the trailer. Here we go. Hello. You know, you got to pay for that, right? Hey, come on. Not okay. We got ourselves an X-Men fan. Maybe a quarter of it happened. And not like this. In the real world, people die. Logan. I don't want to talk about it. Logan. Just stop. Be careful. I need the girl. What girl? Go get it. No. 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 She's like you. Very much like you. I am not whatever it is you think I am. She needs our help. Someone will come along. Someone has come along. You still have time. It's funny, I don't remember actually that line, you know, the the one which was used in the trailers, oh, you still have time. Mm. I don't remember him saying that. Can I say right at the top, man, that was one of my first observations and that was consistent throughout the whole film, which is that the trailer doesn't really represent this. Well, it does represent the mood of the film quite well, but certain moments in it have completely extrapolated. The context has been utterly removed from what it is in the film to create a trailer vibe. So much so that I I wrote a review for this one and I said, well, it seems like some of the dialogue has been written in specifically for trailer editors Mm. because it actually feels a bit odd in the scene and a bit melodramatic and it chimes the bell in your head with the trailer. We think, oh, hang on, now it's being used totally differently. That is true. I think the trailer really did cause quite a stir when it came out. And then, yeah, like you say, it's not quite that sort of, the lines aren't, exactly like that they're in not real as dripping with sort of portent and over the top meaning i didn't think and personally phil i'm really glad because i thought as you would have heard just now the trailer didn't really make me feel great about it whereas i did quite like the film did you i'm surprised so we'll come on to that just quickly this is directed by james mangold man man yeah <laughs> yeah mangold get... that's correct it's yes, mangold. It and he's wrong. the same guy who did the wolverine that hilarious kind of brilliant japanese one yeah, so that was the previous standalone film. And now again, he's returned to direct what is said to be Hugh Jackman's... Well, he's confirmed it. This is his last film where he's playing the character of Wolverine. And indeed, Patrick Stewart's as well. Yeah, similarly for Charles Xavier. 17 years, man, he's been doing Wolverine. I know, yeah. Quite a uh, casting choice, wasn't it? He wasn't even first choice, I don't believe. In no, the because there was a scheduling conflict. The other guy couldn't do it. So Hugh Jackman came in. And man, does he own that character now. Yeah, you bet. So you said you liked it, which I'm really, really shocked by. Are you really? Because I was watching this film and I I did like the film. I thought it was a good film, but it wasn't 
it was a frustrating film. That's the word I'd use, frustrating, because I found things that I really liked, and then there's some things which just kind of made me cringe almost. Well, do you want me to tell you the core of what I liked? Yes. Is that, and this does go back to what I said when I was predicting it, I felt like it actually was kind of silly. For all the seriousness of the trailer and the sort of faux seriousness of the production, actually, I don't think this film does take itself that seriously. They make sort of gag comments every now and again. They've got obvious good guys. They've got obvious bad guys. They just have whole sequences that last for a long time with people with claws in their knuckles slicing people apart. It's, It's a classic superhero movie that knows what it is. But it's not like silly in terms of the tone, is it? No, no, no. It's not like, banana peel, <laughs> Charlie Chaplin. No, of course not. Bam, that. pow, whip. No, no, none of that. But it is, it's a sort of camp somber tale, isn't it? It's a silly somber tale. So you can do somber, like 12 Years a Slave, and sit there miserably for two and a half hours. Or you can do somber like this, where actually the somberness is just a front for the silliness. Does that make sense? I mean, it makes sense. I disagree with you. I think the film is quite serious, and actually it could have been a bit lighter in tone i found it wasn't really full of uh any any jokes or quips that i think it really needed i think for me the, the this is you're telling me the things you like i'm gonna tell you the things i didn't like fine i didn't we'll like the over. fact that uh there were so many f-bombs i really didn't oh, like yeah, that yeah and in some ways i found it really frustrating because i quite liked the tone that they were creating the atmosphere and then it, it felt quite mature to use a bit of an annoying word and quite serious, like this is a real character, he's a real person, and this is kind of a small tale about this one character. And then the fact that they were constantly swearing, and particularly uh, Patrick Stewart's character was swearing, made it seem like, oh, look at us, we're we're 15 now, so we're allowed to say naughty words. And in fact, it shows that they're actually more immature than mature in well, using those. Well, no, that's a really fair point. And I think the way that I listened to that stuff and engaged with it was that I thought that was inevitable because message boards all over the internet. In fact, what you said yourself, Phil, we just played in the clip there in the expectation for it is, oh, this is the thing we've been waiting for. That phrase has been so consistent or, oh, this is really the film that the Wolverine character deserves. And when you've got that much fan loading, which, by the way, I I can't stand, (laughs) I'm not interested in that at all. The filmmakers have to tick a couple of boxes. They've got to make it bloody violence and they've got to put swear words in. So I admit that because I... You know, for me, that's not actually part of the filmmaking. It's just part of the tick boxing. It basically just passed me by. I started ignoring it. Does that make sense? It does. Um, funny enough, the violence, I think, was actually another thing which I was quite shocked by. You didn't like uh, it? I didn't think it needed to be that much. I think it's fair enough. I, I quite like the fact that these guys are guys with big knives on their fists. And so when they're swiping at people, they're actually going to cause... It's got consequences. Yeah, it's got consequences. And I like the fact that the film made it seem like they were violent and dangerous I thought some, there was just, it tipped over for me and became a bit gratuitous when it didn't really need to be. Oh, definitely. And it's total diminishing returns. I said this as well in the review. I thought, well, after the first scene where that happens, that sets the tone for the rest of it. And it doesn't impress or shock anymore. It just gets a bit, well, okay. But this is exactly what I mean. They put all that stuff in there. It's it's fan service for the fans, all that stuff, because you need your sort of comic book loving 23 year old to go, oh, that's so sick, man. That's awesome. Oh, he doesn't care about anything. He's totally badass, if I can use that phrase. That's the one. Badass is a phrase for me that identifies someone who just wants to have their boxes ticked. Mm. What things did you not like in the film then? 
I didn't like Stephen Merchant. I thought, what are you doing there? Sorry, mate. Go hang out with Ricky Gervais. That was just... I'm afraid he's so well-worn in the British mindset that I cannot um, distance myself from it. It was such an odd casting choice. He plays the mutant Caliban, who is sort of an aide to Professor Xavier and Logan. He has this sort of sniffing ability, and he's sort of got this very pale, albino-like skin quality. I, I actually quite liked him in the film. Well, I just wasn't. I didn't think it was what a great was casting choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I actually thought overall the film was rather anticlimactic for what it represents to fans and the series as a whole. I actually don't think it had quite the emotional or dramatic impact that was required. And, and it felt thin in places as well. I thought they padded out the story. I, a lot of it actually had nothing to do with the plots or the characters. They just shove in scenes, apparently, so that we can have more action. And, I mean, there's one particular side plot to this that I will mime to you without spoiling anything, which I just didn't think added anything or represented anything. Uh, oh, so, you yeah. talk, so you're talking about the, the, the threat that appears later on in the film? Yeah, yeah, the threat that is kind of hinted at and then gets revealed. I thought it was kind of a bit lame. I think I've seen it before. So, oh, yeah, a bit thin, didn't like Stephen Merchant, and a little bit anticlimactic. That's, that's what I'd say. I see. I kind of agree, kind of disagree. I think it was not thin. I think it was stretched. Well, that's kind of what I mean. They they had to pad it. They stretched it out. Like so, too yeah. much butter over too little bread or whatever, that's, or the uh, other way around. Who are you talking about? That's uh, Bilbo Baggins feels Yeah, that exactly. Way. Yeah. Uh, too much bread over too many... I can't say it right. But you get what I mean. <laughs> I, I think the film was too long. It's two hours and 20 minutes, I think it is, 21 minutes. Mm, yeah. Which I think is just too long. I was quite shocked that it was carrying on. And in some ways, if they'd been a bit tighter, a bit more, uh, took out some of those sort of plodding scenes, it would have had a bit more urgency, I think. Uh, some of the initial sort of shock and intensity dies down towards the third act, I think. Yeah, fair enough. You know, I really loved uh, Daphne Keane as well, who plays the girl in the film. We're spo- not spoiling Laura. nothing, aren't we? Yeah, Laura in the film. I thought she was great. I was really worried when I saw her appear in the trailers and I thought, oh, this is going to be that hackneyed trope uh, that we've seen a hundred times of the kind of odd-coupled, grizzly lawman, naive kid. But she's much better than that. Like the director, what's his name, Mangold, he's managed to get a good kind of mature performance out of her, I thought. She has a great physicality to her performance and actually the whole the whole cast I think maybe you disagree with Stephen Merchant I think the whole cast upholds their end of the bargain Boyle I Holbrook as the baddie yeah I thought he was great I actually really liked his look I liked his character he was better wasn't he than he I was, was expecting he was Pierce I think mm. it was his name and he plays the sort of main henchman guy chasing down uh, Logan I thought it was they kind of worked everything kind of was firing on all cinders I thought the performances I thought were great and Man, I, I, I really want to state this really, really strongly. Hugh Jackman as Wolverine is great. Yeah, he, he really, really is brilliant. He is brilliant. He can, I, the, the thing is, he manages to communicate a depth to Wolverine that really has no right <laughs> to be there. Just through his performance, his expressions, his tone of voice and his physicality as well. He, he is just perfect for the role. There's one particular moment where he starts getting angry and starts doing his trademark Wolverine. No one can growl like Hugh Jackman. His sort of rage growl is uh, top marks, man. It's great. And by the end of the film, I have to say, I was, I, it kind of dawned on me, I'm not going to see another Wolverine film. I'm not going to see uh, with, with Hugh Jackman in it. Hugh Jackman's not going to be in no. uh, that character They'll anymore. recast and him pretty quick, though. They will probably, but I, I was genuinely sad about that. I was really sad to think, oh, this is the last time I'm going to see Hugh Jackman do his thing, because he really was brilliant at it. Yeah. And like you say, he gives a lot more to the character than, than really is deserved. The thing which I really loved is, is the fact that 
it was quite a small story, like I hoped it would be. It is just about Logan, the character, and whether or not he can achieve this little goal that he's got. Not a big worldwide threat again. No, and I think the film has to get a bit of credit for that, I think, because the number of films which end with a big laser beam shooting into the sky and, and robots or aliens coming out, it's quite nice to see just a sort of standard movie with a bit of action and a bit of a, a story to tell and just let it be what it is. I think the film deserves a lot of credit for that. So I think, Phil, chatting about this, we've got our ups and downs about it, but on the whole, it was quite a straight shooter down the middle for me. So I would probably give it a B plus, I think. Yeah, I think I probably agree. I think it is too long, and so I'm not necessarily that convinced I'd want to watch it again anytime soon. But I think fans of the, the character, fans of Hugh Jackman... Uh, we'll, we'll enjoy it. Funnily enough, I saw it with a, a lady friend of mine and uh, she really liked it. And even though she'd never seen any single X-Men film or anything like that, she went in blind and she, I asked her, what do you know about Wolverine, the character? And she said, oh, he's got really sharp nails and he <laughs> nice, turns into nice. a wolf. Turns <laughs> <laughs> into a wolf. That's fantastic. So I gave her a little bit of a brief as we were driving to the cinema. But then also she said, man, I kept on thinking of, uh, of uh, Les Miserables. It's all oh, about yeah, a guy with a kind of random sort of adopted daughter being chased. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, very good call. Jean Valjean, Logan, same thing. <laughs> I don't know. I think this is it really for, for the X-Men. I, I can't see how they're going to recover after losing Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman because they were the rocks upon which that house was built. Yeah, but then there's these sort of smaller rocks that are building a smaller house with Not good enough, James Mitch. McAvoy and uh, well, Michael Well, you know Fassbender. how I feel about those films is I, I have never liked them nearly anywhere near as much as i enjoyed the first x-men i think uh, and x-men 2 hugh jackman losing hugh jackman is a huge huge loss for that franchise hugh jackman huge loss, loss. Huge. Uh, but i'm hopeful i'm excited by the potential for new things and new stories and uh yeah i think it's a good film for him to go out on listeners let us know were you sobbing into your popcorn waving goodbye to hugh uh, as the character or not we'd like to hear your thoughts superbellybros at gmail.com uh, any bonuses or not I don't have any, unfortunately. Um, there's one, one, one kid that makes an appearance which reminded me of the guy who does the roly-poly thing in Hook. Oh, really? Where, which bit was that? I can't remember that. <laughs> there's a kid who runs in a forest. He's Oh, yes! <laughs> not the best runner because of his, his body type, which no, good I call. shouldn't laugh, but it was funny. It made me laugh. Oh, and also, now you've just reminded me, the weird doppelganger for Aaron Taylor-Johnson in that the, is true. Uh, the there's petrol a- cafe. There's a, I, I genuinely, I thought that exactly the same thing. He's sort of in the background, he's got blonde hair. It's the same hairdo, that's the key <laughs> it's thing. It's very yeah. weird. And then you realise it's not him at all. No, not even close. So, now that we know that this is officially the best film mm. of 2017, let's review Moonlight. Don't blame it on the moonlight. Blame it on the boogie. Any others? <laughs> no, I haven't got anything. I was going to get It's very- a fabulous <laughs> night for a moon dance. Dancing in the moonlight. Yeah, good, 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 good. <laughs> Any of those songs make an appearance, Phil, in this film? <laughs> Funnily enough, not. I was going to go really serious on this one, man. You, you slightly, start that way. You That's why you ruined I... <laughs> it because it's, it's the best picture, man. People might be like, okay, oh, okay. I need to know what the Let's, Bailey Bros. I'll turn my serious notch. Phil, Do you want to play the 2000 SBB yeah. uh, oh, 2017 yeah. music? <laughs> no, no, no. We won't do that again. Here we have Moonlight. <laughs> Come on, then. This is a film directed by Barry Jenkins. It is based on a, a play or a, an idea of a play uh, written by the other scriptwriter, Tarrell Alvin McCraney. I think, I, I think that's all right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. And he wrote a play called In Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue. And then they, they together wrote the screenplay for this film. I think it was an unproduced play, though, wasn't it? Yeah, so it was, it was very much like a, kind of a random sort of coming across. Barry Jenkins came across it and said, I must direct this film. And they worked on it and they put it together. And here it is. Uh, it follows a guy called Chiron. Basically, it's three episodes in his life. 
and it's very clearly marked episodes each there's kind of three chapters and uh, they've each got a title based on his name at that time at that age and uh, so Chiron uh, we meet him as a little boy who's in fact called Little he is getting picked on uh, by the kind of local kids and he doesn't seem to really fit in he's a bit of an outsider uh, he's not very good at fighting and kind of being rough and ready and and kids aren't very nice to him he's he's we first meet him when he's running away from uh, people who are chasing him calling him nasty names and he ends up going to the sort of the projects the rough part of Miami and he hides out in sort of an abandoned flat apartment and while he's there a guy called Juan finds him who is played by Mashallah Ali I think it is uh, Mahershala Ali yes yeah sorry I'm gonna get that name wrong but uh, Ali, the guy who won the Best Supporting Actor, he he finds him and sort of starts taking him under his wing and teaching him about the world. In some ways, I don't really want to say more than that because this film is all about uh, Chiron's identity. You see him as a little boy, as a teenager in high school, and then as an adult. And it sort of is a romance film. It sort of isn't at all. It all kind of hinges on who is this guy? Who is this kid? What does he think he is? And this is when the sort of pretentious music really needs to come in because I think this film actually it's all about identity and the idea of labeling it as a gay black teen uh, romance movie is sort of is is unhelpful because it actually it kind of answers a question which the film doesn't really want to answer how interesting okay I thought you were going to make a different comment there and segue in because all your build up there perfectly introduces the clip we've got well, here it is. Yeah, here is a clip, sort of, which kind of sums up the whole mood of the film. And this is one uh, talking to Little, as he's called in this part of the movie. Uh, they're on a beach and they're just sort of discussing life. Here we go. I've been here a long time. I'm from Cuba. A lot of black folks in Cuba. You wouldn't know that from being here, though. I was a wild little shorty, man. Just like you. Run around with no shoes on, the moon was out. This one time, I run by this old, this old lady. I was running, hollering, cutting a food, boy. This old lady, she stopped me. She said, running around, catching a boy that light. In moonlight, black boys look blue. You blue. That's why I gonna call you. Blue. Say your name, Blue. <laughs> nah. At some point, you got to decide for yourself who you going to be. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. I, I, I think this film is really interesting film. And in some ways, I feel like you're going to make fun of me, Laurie, as I review it. Because Why? I'm going to say something which you probably would say and I'd make fun of you for it. <laughs> okay. I think this film is a bit like poetry, genuinely. Right? Yeah. I think it's very much presented in stanzas and each of the standards builds... Uh, something and informs the other one and so you have recurring imagery and ideas and relationships and each one is sort of informing the next and that is very much down to the structure and the fact that you've got these this these three different points of life in the same person and yet each time they seem very different and and standout ish uh somebody else who I haven't mentioned 
in, is in the film as well is Naomi Harris. She plays uh, Chiron's mother, who is a really kind of rough lady. She's seems to be involved in prostitution and seems to be addicted to drugs. Was she nominated for Best Supporting Actress as well? I think she was, yeah. And she does a really good job here. She's almost unrecognisable. Well, because we're not a big Naomi Harris fan, so that's good news. And I think I've worked out why we're not a big fan. It's because of her voice. And in this film, she's doing an American accent. Right. And so she feels very different. <laughs> okay. She doesn't feel annoying and like, oh, I'm so British. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, back to this poetry thing. I think the reason why this film has won uh, Best Picture is entirely down to the direction. I think so much credit has to go to Barry Jenkins because this film looks incredible. It has a very unique sort of hyper-exposed colour to it, even though the film is sort of set in quite ordinary locations. There's a vibrancy which really makes it just really rich and gorgeous to look at. And that really helps when you're you're dealing with a character who this main guy Chiron, who is quite quite quiet, quite insecure, quite scared, f- for afraid basically of life, and is very reluctant to engage and talk. Talk. One of his friends, a guy called Kevin, who kind of pops up throughout the movie, he's, he kind of makes a joke about it. That's the most I've ever heard you speak in my entire <laughs> life. He says at one point. And it's kind of true. So you've got this one figure who you're focusing your whole attention to. The whole camera is kind of glued to him so much of the film that you almost need everyone else around him to be really exciting and engaging. And and visually as well, it's very engaging. It's sort of like a sort of shimmering dream around this guy. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Because I admit, listeners, in the short clip that we played just now, I was looking at the visuals. Even that was kind of blowing me away. I thought it looked beautiful and it was very, very simple. Yeah, and there's a simplicity. Uh, lots of people have been talking about why this is such an incredible film is the idea that it is not showy-offy. It's not trying to be over the top. It's not trying to overstate. In fact, it's very restrained. It's In some ways, it draws more attention to it by whispering rather than shouting. Have you ever heard that thing? Yeah, I have, but that immediately makes me want to come back to you about your review of Loving, which you didn't like for that reason. Yeah, and I think in some ways, it's it's funny, isn't it? It's, I think maybe Loving wants to be like Moonlight, but Moonlight does it right because it's a it's sort of a fictional tale, but it's about a real it's it's a fictional tale about probably real life. Well, Semi autobiographical, I think, for Terrell McCraney, yeah. Yeah, there's there's links and actually Barry Jenkins, he sort of his own mother was very much similar to Sharon's mother. Right. And that situation, and that's part of the reason why he connected to to it so much. Um there's very much similarity and they're on the same page, I think, uh Jenkins and uh, the writer. And so there was kind of a collaboration. So there's authenticity in Moonlight, whereas I think um, there is undeniably authenticity in Loving, but it needs to show, it needs to make you more able to engage. This film, Moonlight, really makes you engage. The whole film is about engaging you with this person, this idea of what it's like to be this individual. And, and as he struggles with his identity, as he struggles to understand who he should be, can he really make connections with people? Like, where, who is he? What is he? And all the people that influence who he is... Yeah, it's it's a sort of a puzzle piece that you're trying to figure out throughout the whole movie. And I think by the end, you're sort of still not 100% sure. Well, so now, now you're making me think of Jackie as well. Because if you remember, my feelings on Jackie were that although you're getting this sort of amazing direct view onto a fictionalised version of Jackie Kennedy, 
everything about it keeps you at a distance from her and although you see her going through all this stuff and you see her dealing with it you you can't really empathize with her and you're certainly not a young gay black man phil living in miami but it sounds as though it made you empathize a lot and in fact the the issues and the themes it brings up are utterly transferable rather than detached if that makes sense yeah and i think probably that's that's a very good summary you feel like you you get to know this person even though you don't necessarily understand him fully and it makes you sort of see you, it makes you work basically to try and understand him because you're spending so much time with him. There's a real sense of time and space given to these characters. Um, I am quite surprised that uh, Mashala Mashala Ali, yeah, yeah, thank you. I'm really, su- I'm quite surprised that he won the uh, best sports really? actor. Really, I thought not he was sounding great in that. He is good. He's not in the movie a massive amount. Uh, he's he's only in a part of the movie. Yeah, but if he was powerful and if he affected the rest of the film and that character development for Chiron, that's a big deal. I mean, I, you just need to look at the people he was up against, like Michael Shannon in Nocturnal Animals and Jeff Bridges. Those guys may have had bigger roles, but they didn't. I don't feel they, their roles were that key in some ways. No, and you do feel like you feel his impact on the rest of the film when he he's no longer there. And so maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, but I, I, I was expecting him to be very much present throughout the whole film. Sure. And he isn't. But when he is there, you do feel like he's a real fleshed out character and, and you can see his, uh, like you say, impact on, on the narrative, on the story. Yeah, yeah. And his performance is a large part of that. I, can I come back to what I said originally? So much of the credit needs to go to the director. Yes. Part of that is because, it, because it's about these three episodes in this one person's life. There's three different actors playing him. They never met for the entire film production. Seriously. So they never saw each other act or perform or they didn't really discuss with each other. And somehow you still feel like these three actors all are the same person. You really believe that they are the same person, even though they look different, they kind of change appearances and, and things. There's just a real uh, core that runs through them all and a vulnerability and a closed offness. That was that, is that a conscious thing that they did, the Barry Jenkins deliberately kept them from meeting each other or what? I think it was just kind of nature of production that just didn't happen. But I think what's amazing is clearly he really understands this character and has been able to pull out the performances that really mean that you at no point do you feel like the character is lost, even though they are massively different from each other in terms of how the character is presenting itself. Yeah, okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. Some of the things you're talking about here, Phil, I mean, the context of the film, Rough Neighbourhoods, a rough family life, rough identity, you know, a bit of a who am I, that kind of stuff. Is it the kind of film that is going to be hard to watch for some people, hard to identify with? Is it challenging? Is it unpleasant? It's it's not, I wouldn't say it's any of those things. I think it's it's thoughtful. That's the word which I think is most appropriate. And some people might not be that interested in this situation or or not really understand that that character as you say, I'm not a gay black man from uh, Miami, yeah. but at the same time, I found myself engaging with the character and being interested in what is he about? What is this? What is this guy? And what? Why is he the way he is? And yeah, and what is the world that he lives in? And so, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be afraid to engage with it. It's not sort of an Oscar movie which is giving you like a really brutal life experience, saying, "Look how brutal it is! Isn't it awful?" Yeah, yeah. But it is dealing with some challenging ideas and issues and themes. So for anyone, really. Yeah, I'd say so. You're certainly making it sound very intriguing. And now do us an Oscars favour, if you will, Phil. Compare this to La La Land, the hot favourite going in. You know, these films sound like they couldn't be more different. Uh, this is probably when it gets controversial. I think La La Land should have won Best you do. Picture. I do think so. I think it is, 
in the same way that Meryl Streep got an Oscar nomination because of her speech in the Golden Globes. That's my view. I can't say that's official, but that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I view it. There was it. an Oscar voter who felt that way. I think this is a film which is winning because of the context in in which America is right now with their presidential like leader and all the things that he's been saying. I think in some ways this is Hollywood saying we're not like that. We we refuse to be like that. This is what we're like. This is who we want to be supporting and and encouraging. And this is the media. And we're going to tell these personal stories about people. And, and give them hope in their sort of yeah, difficult yeah. situations. Well, Mahershala Ali himself was a Muslim, and I think, is he the first Muslim ever to win an, an Oscar? Yeah, he is. But why then La La Land? Why is La La Land better? La La Land, I think, deserves it more because it is a very unique film um, for its current climate. It made a massive impact. I think it is undeniable everyone's been talking about La La Land because it is a very unique film for the current day and age. I think, ultimately, La La Land lost out because everyone was having such intense reactions to it that it couldn't live up to its own hype. Yeah, sure. And also, I think, politically right now, a sort of smaltzy thing about Hollywood, especially with the Oscars being so white as it was on Twitter, I think the whole thing kind of snowballed to make Moonlight, which is a very good film. I very much enjoyed it. And I, I give a well, lot it of It deserves the nomination, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But I think probably in hindsight, Moonlight will be forgotten and La La Land will be remembered. How interesting. Listeners, let us know your thoughts. Phil stuck his neck out on the line there. Nice one. So the grade I'm going to give Moonlight is an A-. minus. Great. Well, man, you've encouraged me. Um, you know, I talked about it a little bit on the BBC, not having seen it because there was so much written about it already. This is a film that obviously makes people want to talk about it. So I don't know, maybe you're wrong, Phil. Maybe it will be one that we talked about for a long time. I, the thing which I'll say to that is I think the movie itself is trying to be small and intimate and thoughtful. It's not trying to make a really intense point about rights or, or anything like that. It is just about this individual guy. Very personal. Yeah, very personal story, which I think people are empathising with. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean it'll be years years later. I don't think it will be in the same political environment. It won't be in the same time. And I think people will feel differently about it. Whereas La La Land, part of its appeal is it's a kind of homage to the classic Hollywood. So there you go. Maybe that's really controversial. Maybe I'm going to get lots of minus ones. But that's my thing on the Oscars stat. There we go. There All right, go. any bonuses? It is really weird seeing people wear those chrome teeth things. Chrome, oh, um, uh, grills, caps, grills. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, a lot of grill I still, action? I still can't get my head around it. And you know when, like, you, most of the time you see them, they're like so a guy's wearing them and trying to look tough and intimidating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so weird when you see somebody wearing them when he's smiling. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> I just like, hey, look at my big hey, old man. The grill teeth. industry might be thanking the movie. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, some, I've seen people uh, with like the gold teeth and stuff, and every now and again, Phil, I find myself thinking that's pretty cool. <laughs> it kind of weird. Like, it's weird how it's a thing now, and it's. Yeah. Uh, I think even I saw Joey Essex wearing some of them. Joey Essex, the harbinger of any fashion trend. All right, thanks very much, Phil. So the Oscars have finally been announced. It's been an interesting year, hasn't it? I can't help but feel that 2016 being the year it was, with so many momentous world things happening, have affected the Oscars a bit, and it feels more dramatic than usual. Yeah, that's true. And then we had, like, the most dramatic miscommunication ever i know you, have you seen the Those clip guys, they've already apparently they've been fired oh, yeah I, I read some that worrying thing. headline saying something like they'll never return I think, <laughs> from where <laughs> what happened have you I, not heard about this i'm Judith? only kidding uh, well, why don't you tell us what happened you they named la la land and then they started um doing their little speeches and things and then they were like oh no 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 it's not it's not la la land it's moonlight yeah how about that i feel sorry because i remember uh, i watching the clip back and you and knowing what happens and why it happened now because there's been 
It's like a, a bloodhound has been sent out to find exactly how this could happen. How could possibly the wrong name be read out? It's it's amazing watching watching it back, seeing Warren Beatty like sort of sweat. Yeah, <laughs> and you right. Think, oh, he's just making a joke, and then it's like, oh, actually no, he's trying to w- work out what to do in this bizarre situation where he's got the wrong card and he doesn't know how to sort of tell somebody he's got the wrong card and all this sort of stuff and then he just gives it to Faye Faye Dunaway is it? Yeah I think so he just sort of oh stop being silly Warren and just says oh it's this La La Land I think it's funny because he got all the, the yeah the... well it's almost been blown out of proportion a little bit because this is just live events this is a classic it just happens that it's never been this way at the Oscars before there have been other mistakes made I mean I do feel sorry because the La La Land guys were on stage giving their speeches and uh, and they kind of they should have been stopped before they even got to the stage. No, you know? I agree with that. And, well, and a lot of people are saying quite rightly that it slightly wrecks the Moonlight Cruise uh, moment as well, doesn't it? You it, know, it steals their moonlight. It, 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 but it literally does because everyone wants that moment where you hear your name, you go up, the cameras are on you, everyone's faces turn to you and applauding, and then they had to kind of get a second string applause where some people are like, "What's happening now?" Exactly. <laughs> that's not how you really want to, yeah, win your award. No, that's true, and it has slightly overshadowed uh, that they won. I'll, which... tell, I'll tell you what it did do. Phil, which is a positive that no one is talking about. And if I was being at my absolute utmost, incredibly cynical, you know, super Mr. Mark, you're like a conspiracy theorist. Right no, no, now. no. I'm just, I'm just giving you all perspectives on this stuff. What it does prove is that the Oscars is actually an event, doesn't it? And it's not a sort of big old produced fix thing, yeah, which a lot of true. people like to think of the Oscars as. Instead, it really shows that it's just an award ceremony. And La La Land really did think they'd won. It wasn't like they'd been told beforehand that they had one. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, that's true. It, it shows authenticity of the, the night. Which is actually not a bad thing, and it's given it a huge amount of publicity as well, with declining uh, watching figures and everything else. So there are always silver linings to every cloud, especially if they've been painted in there deliberately. <laughs> mm. yeah. Would you say that you were happy with generally how the Oscars turned out in terms of who the Oscars went to and all that stuff? I don't you think there said... were that many surprises. Sorry, what did I say? You said you'd, you'd, you'd be furious if Ryan Gosling had won. I didn't say I'd be furious. I don't think he really deserved it. I thought Casey Affleck did based on your uh, impression of him in Manchester by the Sea and based on how I felt he did in the film. He was perfect, perfectly cast and delivered a perfectly solid performance, but I didn't feel that there was that much nuance required of him as compared to Emma Stone, who I think deservedly won, although I loved Natalie Portman as Jackie. The key thing which you mentioned before on our Oscars breakdown is that Best Director did not win Best Film. This happened again. Which is really interesting. You'd think, surely, the Best Director would be directing the Best Film. Well, and it's a classic thing. I read a fact of something, it's happened something like 22 times in the past, which is not that many when we're at the, what is it, 84th, I think? 89th, I think it is. 89th, well, there we go. <laughs> one of the numbers was right. Uh, but Damien Chazelle, I think, probably did deservedly win that. It's a well-directed film. But Moonlight, you've just been saying how great you thought the direction was. Yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? I think what I didn't realise, and even though when we did the other um, Oscar bit, I didn't realise that actually a lot of the voting is sort of the second or third favourite person is the one who's going through. It's uh, as soon as your, your top one pick is taken out, your second pick, then your votes get added on to that. And so really? that's part of the reason why you get these sort of, generally speaking, quite solid favourites winning as opposed to controversial options. Yeah, yeah. Are we both pleased that La La Land didn't win any awards for sound mixing? Yeah, I'm really pleased because that was terrible. It was I weird, it got nominated. It? You can't hear the lyrics. The songs were slightly weirdly balanced. There was something odd going on. I'm really glad that Axel Ridge picked up a, key, a few things. In particular, I, I was glad the editing, it won for that because the battle sequence was amazingly well edited, mm-hmm. I thought. 
And uh, the fact that I nearly completely forgot <laughs> when I did the radio show is that I think it's Kevin O'Connell is the guy who did the sound mixing for Axel Ridge. And he was, before this ceremony, the most nominated person not to win. Something like 21 nominations he's had. Really? And he finally took it away, yeah. Has <laughs> Utopia won Best Animated Feature as well? Yeah, which I'm not surprised by. Uh, I'm quite chuffed, actually, about the Oscar picks in general because I have a little competition with my, some of my friends and this year I actually won. So I was like, yeah, Well, yeah, well yeah, done, yeah, Phil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Personally, also quite pleased that Arrival didn't really take very much away. I've got sound editing. Well done. You're way too harsh on that film. I think a lot of people have <laughs> a lot of love It's only because of the tidal wave of love that has come pouring down on it. And I, I watched it and I just found it, it wasn't deep enough for me. So I, I didn't understand how it got nominated for all these things. Do, do you care about much about who won what and things or are you not that fussed? Uh, I don't think I'm really bothered. I, I think sometimes I think, oh, yeah, I should remember that that's who won in that year because, you know, people talk about who won in, like, 2005, who won the best actress or something. Yeah. But does it make you think, well, I must see that because it won an Oscar, like Moonlight has just won Best Picture, for example? Uh, Sometimes. I think it depends if I know the... Obviously, I listen to the Super Bailey Bros. Obviously, you do. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I know what the plots are. But if I haven't seen them, I find it hard to retain that information. So I think the one that I thought, oh, yeah, I'd quite like to see that was, like, Manchester by the Sea because yeah. a lot of people seem to be talking about that. And you reviewed that, Phil, didn't you? Mm. Mm. Um, but Thank yeah, I went to see La La Land. And I think that one of the reasons I wanted to see that was because they kept saying about how many nominations. 14, it was, yeah, yeah, same as Titanic, I think. Yeah, in the process of that, I discovered a fact which I wasn't really aware of. But the only Oscar film I can remember that has won all its nominations is Return of the King, Lord of the Rings. It was nominated for 11 Oscars and won 11 Oscars. Yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy, amazing stuff. Yeah. I don't think that's, hap- that's not really happened before. It was amazing. Yeah, it was but very nice this year. Uh, a final thing uh, that I've really got to say, I have to admit, is that I was really glad that 20th Century Women didn't pick up anything. I thought it was ridiculous that film got nominated. And I was also pleased, but not in quite as mean a way, <laughs> that Hidden Figures didn't pick up anything either. It got nominated for Best Supporting Actress, I think, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Picture. It didn't win any of those things. Things, which I thought it was a really good film but I just didn't think it was Oscar worthy so I, I feel like overall there's nothing in there that doesn't deserve to be there in some ways I feel like all the awards went to the right people it seems um, I think controversially uh, Moonlight might be viewed as sort of unfair and La La Land should have won or something like that but it seems like generally speaking the right people won what about Viola Davis in Fences you, we got a little bit out of you last week but not loads yeah I thought she really deserves it like she is the reason why that film is engaging more so than it is. And uh, Denzel Washington, similarly, those guys know those characters inside and out and they really perform the socks off of them. It's a true story. I see now, this is the thing, listeners, because I don't really have that much more to add. We could go on and on about Jimmy Kimmel and his antics tweeting at Donald Trump or uh, <laughs> Denzel Washington marrying, in quotes, marrying a tour bus couple who came in. Like there was some random tour bus that got to go to the event. Yeah, something like that, yeah. But you know what? don't care about any of that stuff is that bad should i care no i don't think so i think it is what it is and there you go there i'm go. really one thing i will say is the one thing which i was very surprised by was the fact that uh la la land won best original song for serious stars yes yeah, so that's the worst song i don't understand why they gave it that was the <laughs> weird that was i'm, the I'm, I'm song. very surprised by that i thought can't stop the feeling <laughs> Dead, oh, for, dead. from uh, Trolls. Yeah, I was, Timberlake. I was quite happy that Trolls might win an Oscar. That is a toe tapper. Yeah, that's that's, that's a great song. Also, lots of people have been talking about just last thing as we wrap up. Lots of people talking about how sad they are that Suicide Squad won an Oscar. No, that's silly. Come I on. think it's silly. Yeah, I agree because 
ultimately the the film guys they put a lot of work into their little put like sections yeah it's not their fault how good the film was the, yeah. the uh, makeup guys did a great job with that it was yeah. quite nicely put together i thought even yeah. though you didn't like what's her name cara delavine as the uh, enchantress no i did like her as the enchantress oh you did that's right no it, it was, was uh, james with your other co-presenter <laughs> that's right who stole my thunder once james luxford a proper national film critic there you go one final 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 thing uh, I couldn't believe that Tony Erdman did not pick up Best Foreign Language Film. And I haven't seen The Salesman, which is this Iranian movie. But it did make me, it did remind me that I wanted to comment on the fact that Tony Erdman has been confirmed for a US remake, which I cannot believe. Why, why, why? Well, it doesn't need to be remade. The film has literally just come out and it's just been nominated for Best Foreign Film. It got loads of buzz and loads of praise. Why not just go and see that film? And then everyone's like, oh, it's Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson's going to do it. And it's going to be Kristen Wiig. Blah, blah, blah. There's a really good article actually that's been written by Peter Bradshaw in The Guardian where he says five things that will happen. Um, And I think it's brilliant because he puts a positive spin on it. And but I think he's feeling as miserable about it as I am, and, and there's there's no way that central pairing will capture the the original at all. Mm. So this why I've used this as a soapbox, <laughs> just like the real Oscars. <laughs> mm. I I mean I'm not surprised, man, at all, because well, Beauty and the Beast is happening, and that's just literally Disney oh, yeah. making more money out of their own thing. Oh, I'm not looking forward to that film, Phil. Every trailer looks worse, don't you think? We're slightly veering off the Oscars. Okay, up. all right. There you go, listeners. Tell us your thoughts on the Oscars. In a way, everything has kind of been said, but we'd love to know your thoughts. Was anything you thought was a terrible decision or a great decision? Anything you think was really underappreciated, overlooked? All that stuff. Let us know. Let us know if you were there. How good would that be if we had oh, an Oscar attendee in uh, the listenership? Also, I just want to give a shout out to the guy, the bold guy who finally admitted that Moonlight had won the best picture. I love the fact that he's like, we didn't win anyway. No, you guys won. Look. And then he rips the card out and shows everyone. Did he really say yeah, that? Yeah, cool. He rips the card out and says, Moonlight won, guys, and like shoves it in the face of everyone. <laughs> so it was like undeniable because everyone thought he was joking. And oh, man, it was uh, it was an awkward moment handled well, I feel like. Yeah, tough one, tough one. Get it right next year, eh? Well, those Ooh. PwC guys won't because they got fired. <laughs> yeah. so. Under review, Lowe, under review. Uh-oh. Don't want to get done for liable. Have you been to China, Phil? No, you have, though, haven't you? I have been to China. I already knew you hadn't, and I already knew that I had, but I asked it that way so that it felt like a conversation. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm. I have walked the Great Wall of China, Phil. Have you? Not only have I walked the Great Wall of China, I have tobogganed down from the Great Wall of China uh, in one of those steel toboggan runs with a joystick. Didn't you, didn't you lose a shoe? Correct. As I was going down at speed, one of my flip-flops came off and landed on the side of the Great Wall and had it not been for some very deft, skillful tobogganing I and mean, reaching out backwards, then it could have been forever there. One <laughs> of my flip-flops could have become part of one of the most famous landmarks of all time. Maybe you could see your flip-flop from space. Imagine that. Imagine that. Fortunately, that didn't happen. So it wasn't or present. unfortunately. <laughs> You've been, this has started happening recently. I was literally about to come to my punchline. Sorry. And then you, no, but you came up with something better. Because now, now, now I had to just repeat it. And it was, it'll be revealed for even later than it was in the first right, place. Right, go, go, go. I'll, I'll be quiet. Fortunately, the flip-flop didn't land there. Uh, so it wasn't there to be seen in the film I watched today. Which is The Great Wall. How's that? Was it worth it? Yeah. No, it wasn't. Okay, listeners, I saw The Great Wall this morning, starring Matt Damon, directed by Zhang Yimou. This is a movie that I guess marks quite a landmark for the Chinese film industry, or at least that is what the director has said. You may have picked up more about the controversy surrounding this film than the film itself, because there was a big... What was the hashtag, Phil? Thank you, Matt Damon. Hashtag thank you, Matt Damon. The point being, oh, thanks, Matt Damon. If it wasn't for you, this film wouldn't have been made. Is that the point? 
or thanks, thanks, Matt Damon for saving China, sort of thing. Yeah, and a bit like Tom Cruise in The Last Samurai, for example. Yeah, that esque, that which really thing. is Tom Cruise saving. <laughs> <laughs> but should we should we talk Japan. about that bit after no, the film? No, I want to do it now. Do you want to do it first? I'm talking about. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I didn't. You know, it wasn't an accident that this came on. Anyway, yes, <laughs> he says of this sort of whitewashing controversy. In many ways, The Great Wall is the opposite of what is being suggested. For the first time, a film deeply rooted in Chinese culture with one of the largest Chinese casts ever assembled is being made at tentpole scale for a world audience. I believe that is a trend that should be embraced by our industry. AKA, everyone needs to be quiet because China are very, very excited about this. To have Matt Damon as a big star draw to a worldwide audience flocking to a Chinese production, they're excited about it. So it's kind of, I was thinking about this uh, myself just independently, what's this equivalent of? I guess in some ways it's a bit like Jackie Chan when he came over and started doing sort of Western films, Western Kung Fu movies, whatever. It's that sort of thing for Chinese audiences in the sense you've got a really big star from a different market who's coming over and just making films in a new market. That is drawing people to the box office. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I think it, it works. I mean, are you, were you excited to see Matt Damon do like a Kung Fu uh, ancient Chinese movie or not? Yeah, I was intrigued. I think that's the thing which the film is going for, intri- being intriguing and sort of saying what's going on there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the reason I bring that up, listeners, is not just to slap that in everyone's face immediately, but also because... It's entirely obvious in the setup of the movie that the director is absolutely right. Matt Damon does star in this film, but he stars as a foreigner, a very outcast foreigner, a mercenary, in fact, driving hard with his band of mercenaries to try and make it into China because they've heard rumours of the black powder of the Chinese army, a.k.a. gunpowder, right? right. So they're so powerful, can decimate armies, they want to get their hands on it, take it back to the West and make a killing, literally in a couple of ways, money and on the battlefield. Oh, cha-ching. And so he immediately is the outcast. He's the outsider, he's the minority. He is a peculiarity in this situation. As they're going through the desert, they get attacked by an unknown kind of monster. And Matt Damon heroically, you know, fends it off at the fireside camp, chops off its arm. And it's a weird kind of grizzly monster's arm. So as they flee the bandits that are trying to track them down, steal their horses, all that kind of thing in the desert, they suddenly arrive at the Great Wall of China. And my goodness, is it enormous and impressive and intimidating? Not just that aren't also the army that are completely decorating the top of the wall, super impressive and like nothing they've ever seen before. So when they get caught between this army on the wall and the bandits who are chasing them, they decide to try their luck with the army and are brought into a battle that has been going on for centuries. The nameless army of China has been manning the Great Wall to defend against a terrifying monstrous horde that came around, came about because of an emperor's greed that attacks China every 60 years, trying to break through their defences, decimate their homeland and cause untold misery. So this is the chance for the Western world to get a glimpse into one of China's amazing legends and the incredible honour and bravery of this legendary fighting force. And we get to see it all through the eyes of Matt Damon. We're basically in his shoes for the film. It makes a lot of sense then that Matt Damon's there. Exactly right, Phil. And it is true that they kind of make Matt Damon super cool. And (laughs) well, in a way, anyway, he's all bearded and he looks like some kind of weird desert trooper. It's an amazing performance by the guy. He also puts on one of the strangest accents I've ever heard. It's sort of American. Is it American or is it Canadian or is it (laughs) Southern Irish? Were any of those accents around (laughs) at the time period? This was set. Who knows? 
but he's also like a, a bloodthirsty mercenary. He's never had cause to trust anyone. He fights for money and he fights for food. He doesn't really have much loyalty going on other than knowing there's a guy next to him who's not going to knife him in the back. And that is Pedro Pascal. Do you Are you familiar with that guy? He's in a couple of things at the moment. Is he the guy who was in Game of Thrones? He played Oberyn. Correct. I think it is Oberyn. That's right. Yeah, he's a sort of emerging star. They're kind of blood brothers, but not because they love each other, but because they can trust each other to earn money and food and that kind of stuff. It's a working relationship. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, they get thrust into this army. They are terrified by the army's prowess. The army, in turn, have to overcome their instinctive impression that here are some smelly foreigners which is literally what they say when matt damon and pedro pascal fight off some of the monsters as they try to assault the wall and there's a kind of grudging respect that goes on and they start to learn from each other all making sense Mm -hmm. so here is a clip what we have is the army all sat around in immaculate costumes uh, and an immaculate hall and matt damon and pedro are there and they kind of want to see some of this skill they've heard about matt damon's prodigious skill with the bow and they're like come on show us show us show us and pedro is thinking oh for goodness sake you know not more of this so watch in awe phil as matt da- i think actually pedro throws a bowl into the air matt damon shoots it with one arrow so it goes dong and it goes towards a pole then he shoots it with two more arrows so that the bowl lands on the two arrows uh jammed into the pole makes sense yep Let's hear that moment. You remember how to do this? Last time didn't go so good. We were drunk. How high? Ten yards. Six hands to the right. Turn around. No, do it this way. On my count. Amigo. One. Two. Three. Pull. That sounds genuinely like, I don't know, I can't, I'm trying to picture the scene. It sounds like something from the 90s. Yeah, well, you know what? I Throughout the whole movie, I just thought this feels like it's 15 years ago or something. There's so much of the film is about the spectacle of big CGI battle sequences and enormous numbers of people and numbers of things just everywhere. It's like the, the thing that the director is constantly saying to all of his cast members on the screen and all the visual effects guys is, make this epic. Yeah, I want this to be an epic clapping scene. <laughs> yeah, I want this to be an epic lantern scene. Yeah, I want this to be an epic funeral scene. Everything is just, it's also epic, but the CGI is not amazing. And you can tell that they're so in love with the epic scale of everything that they sort of forget to make it interesting. Can I say that? Ooh, okay. And if I say to you that Zhang or Zhang Yimou is also the director of Hero Phil, the a film starring Jet Li. Oh, that's intriguing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Rode the Wave after Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. What was your impression of Hero? Hero, I, I like lots of scenes, actually. There's a really great spear fight which happened in the mind of two warriors. Which that's is, right, isn't and it? And it's yeah. sort of great spear fight, but it happens in the mind of two warriors. So you're kind of like, oh, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. That was kind of my feeling about it. It kind of, every time it does something well, it takes a couple of steps back and, and that's the thing. It's almost too swept up in it being as you say an epic movie and yeah. making epic moments that the characters become unrelatable and too too legendary that you can't really get on board with them you're totally right and it, in a weird way it's i think that's in the back of people's minds the guys who wrote and made the movie because they do try and balance it out with some humor in matt damon's character like him and his mercenary buddies kind of joke around it's this kind of weird 
contrast between the epic grandeur of everything and then these two guys who are very humble and kind of weirded out by everything. And that does bring some of the epicness down to earth. But I, I think the problem is what I said. It feels quite stilted. It feels like it's too concerned with the symbolism and the beauty of the frame and the kind of depth of meaning of little moments and and design that kind of your engagement in the action is lost it's it's so bizarre an enormous battle happens within minutes of the film opening and you don't know anyone who's involved in it so for all the grace of they have they have women in the ranks who wear blue uh, specifically women in the ranks who wear blue they get a sort of bungee cord attached to them they leap off the great wall of china holding massive spears so they can plunge the spears into the monsters at the bottom of the wall and then get pulled back up again bungee style right like, and they love that clearly and they think it's so graceful and wonderful and spectacular but it's really boring to watch because it's all sort of just slow-mo and like well i get it but i don't know who any of these people are so when one of the women gets grabbed in the jaws of a monster, it's a bit like, well, okay, I don't get it. How am I supposed to feel about all this? Mm. And you don't really know. For me, it's not really. I'm not so bothered about how beautiful it all looks laid out on this giant wall. I'd rather see tiny little scrappy moments that feature real characters. And then that's what's so really weird again, because then they do have them in really odd, isolated moments. So during that perfectly sort of framed battle sequence with all the Chinese uh, warriors doing everything perfectly in order, very, very well uh, planned and drilled and everything, then Matt Damon and uh, Pedro kind of scrap around with one of the monsters. That's how they kind of win the respect. And it's a very rough fight. It doesn't make much sense. It's very isolated, very small. And I don't know, I, I sort of can't quite figure out what's going on. It just didn't make much sense to me. And it felt very awkward and plodding. I wonder, and maybe uh, this is a bit unfair, do you think there is the possibility that Matt Damon come in and he's working with this director and you do literally have those two sort of cinema styles colliding and Matt Damon kind of being the star that he is, he's he able to sort of way. say, mm, I, I want to tweak this dialogue or this is, this is how we do our, this is how I want to do my fight sequence. And, and so basically you've got the sort of the larger scale thing is, is very much a Chinese film. And then the, the moments with Matt Damon are very much sort of a classic Hollywood style of filmmaking. Yeah, is possibly. that possible? I mean, if that is what's happened and Matt Damon has had input, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, Matt Damon is a, is, completely thoroughbred Hollywood guy. He's a producer. I think he's directed stuff. He's written stuff, obviously, with Goodwill Hunting. He's a full-on powerhouse in uh, Hollywood's land. Yeah, sure. So I can I can easily imagine him getting on set and just sort of saying, "No, I'm not. No, I'm not going to do it like that. This is this. Why don't we try this?" And and kind of almost directing through this guy's direction. Well, that would account for what feels like completely opposed styles of direction. Yeah, I agree, Phil. I'm interested to know what others think who've seen the movie. Uh, one good thing about it is Jing Tian, who plays a general who then gets promoted during the course of the film in the Chinese army. Her and Matt Damon kind of have a sort of almost relationship Tension. and mutual res- yeah that's right a mutual respect kind of grows she's pretty good in the film she has a very structured role that's got very tight confines and it she doesn't really step out from them at all but she still is pretty good in the role and for anyone who's worried that Matt Damon is, as you said, Phil, saving China in this movie, it's not the case at all. In the film, everything Matt Damon does is subservient to what she does. She's the one who holds the authority and the one ultimately who makes things succeed or fail. He just kind of plays a part in it almost by accident. That's interesting. Do you think he comes off well, Matt Damon, from this film? Yeah, I mean, his accent's ridiculous. And it, it was, it's, you know, there are a couple of scenes where it's almost fun to watch these guys clearly <laughs> in a film that they've never seen the like of before and Willem Dafoe is in it as well and <laughs> Willem Dafoe is so odd in this he he sort of plays a nervous 
minor, minor supporting role. It makes no sense that Willem Dafoe has been cast in this role because it's not like anything he's done before. He does no power and there's no presence in his performance because the role is just not right for the guy. I, d- I can't, I don't understand the why he got cast. Decision at all. I, all I can think is that they thought, well, let's get Willem Dafoe in as well because he's, he's a big deal. And I like Willem Dafoe. If I'd known he was in it, then I would have thought, well, that's interesting. But wow, it's not a Willem Dafoe part at all. So yeah, I mean, there's not that much more to say, listeners. It is exactly what you think. It's a very long battle movie, quite a dull battle movie with jarring sequences, non-snappy dialogue, some odd, bizarre, humorous moments, entirely predictable plots. There's some moments of foreshadowing that are so obvious that it makes the film... It really is disappointing, actually, because you know exactly what is going to happen, but you know you've still got about an hour of movie left. Like It's all to do with a magnet, basically. When you see the film, you know exactly what I mean. I was so frustrated by that. And I think the closing sequence is about as um, Route 1 as action movies get. It becomes silly and not in a good way. The, the, the spectacle... So it's not bad and, bad and fun, it's just bad. No, I think the spectacle falls completely foul of diminishing returns. The fact that they open with this huge battle sequence shows you exactly what to expect for the next two hours or whatever it is. And it, it never improves past that point. It's very shallow, very surface. Honestly, I'm quite disappointed. And it's fair to say, reports would suggest it's not gone down that well in China either. Really? I've yeah. heard it's already made loads of money and everything. Well, box office has been amazing, no doubt, because the whole thing's been constructed to be a box office draw, as we've been discussing. Mm. But there was a particular story about how a sort of Chinese version of Metacritic or MDB or something picked up some quite negative reviews from users, giving the film a fairly downbeat rating. And it got criticism from the Chinese government. <laughs> so wow, much so, yeah. yeah, so much so that one of the websites pulled its grade of the movie because what they're essentially saying is, well, you're criticizing China's film industry. You're hurting China's film power here. Mm. So that review needs to come off the internet. So I, yeah, I, I wouldn't go in assuming that anyone likes it very much. Are we going to get in trouble from... I doubt it, Phil. I don't think anyone cares what we think. <laughs> <today>. <laughs> That's true. So grade is, I'm going to guess... C minus. Oh. <laughs> that was what I was going to guess. Oh, he's going to guess that. Yeah. All right, okay. Yeah, I didn't really enjoy it, listeners, but there we go. So, Phil, since we don't really, we're not doing emails this week because everything has been about the Brewards nomination. Which is great. It's which fantastic. Is great. Except for one person who was excited about, I think it might have been Nicholas, who was excited about us returning to Wednesdays. I just want to say that might not happen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> might not happen full stop. It, it certainly won't happen for a little while because that, that's a whole scheduling just, thing. Just don't, don't get there, but just bail, bail. <laughs> but it might happen that way. Anyway, the more you talk about it, the more attention I know, you I know, I know, I know. But what I thought we might do instead is a little bit of sort of what I've been watching, dipping our toes back in the water, you know, people <laughs> struggling we with done. withdrawals. You know. uh, no, no, I didn't say we were done. I said if, if we possibly could, we'd include it in our show. But because we haven't had time recently, we haven't been able to put it in there. Otherwise, it would have gone forever and ever. But, and we're not really going to do a proper what we've been watching either, are we? <laughs> Am I making any sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what is, what is it that you've been watching this week? Well, let's just do a couple and like literally just one or two lines on them in a grade. I think that's a good idea because I really want to tell people about what I've seen. What I saw seen? a Korean film called Poetry, which is about a grandmother uh, in Korea whose son gets involved in something that she's not expecting and she herself is coming towards the end of her life and trying to figure out who she is and what she's doing and it's an amazingly beautiful film the subject matter gets quite unpleasant and unusually for me I can't really handle unpleasant things I got I kept getting gripped because it's so wonderfully put together I give it an A minus poetry it's it's a downbeat movie Korean film but it's great watch it if you can right do you, how old is it I think it was 2010. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's not that long ago. Quite, quite a new recently, film. Okay. Really, really wonderfully shot. Yeah. How about you, man? What have you been watching? 
I've been watching... Well, I haven't watched that many films. I've been trying to catch up with cinema releases and things like that. But I have seen Alfie. Have you ever seen that Jude Law film? Yeah, the remake. It was Michael Caine originally, wasn't it? Yeah, Michael Caine. Um, I, I enjoyed watching it again. It's a, it's a funny film because it feels quite dated, even though it's kind of middle 2000s-y. Yeah. And is it Sienna Miller as well? Sienna Miller's in there. You've got Susan Sarandon. You've got various actors. Marissa Tomei. Oh, well, her not getting any acting jobs these days, is she, Lauren? <laughs> she just doesn't get leading lady very often. But she gets a lot of roles, doesn't she? Yeah, she's great. But she's in there as well. And it's the only film I can really think of where Jude Law is the bona fide star. Mm. Uh, I hear what you're saying. Maybe The Holiday. <laughs> no. Second fiddle to Cameron Diaz. That's not an enviable place. Uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Do you think he's charming in it? Yeah, I think it's quite it's quite an odd movie because it's almost like a little time capsule of weird values about women and like men. It's like the start the burgeoning era of metrosexual. Yes, know? I hear what you say. He talks yeah. about how to like apply cologne and and he should never be afraid to wear pink and things like that. And nowadays it just seems a bit redundant. Well, it was chat. based on a 70 is it 70s movie? So Yeah, so it was an update of of like that 70s movie and that sort of Lothario thing in New York, a British guy in New York. I, I enjoyed it. It's quite engaging and it's got kind of nice episodes, but it seems like... It's a bit downbeat, isn't it? It's slightly downbeat and it got criticised because it is a more downbeat uh, thing. He starts sort of questioning what is it that is really in all these sort of flings with girls. Is he actually looking for something more? What's it all about, Alfie? Um, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was good, but it does seem like a time capsule and I'm going to give it a B. Very good. All right, my next one, Phil. I saw No. <laughs> I think I made you watch a trailer for this. Yeah, and I saw a little uh, critic guy talking about No as Did well. You? I was like, oh, I know about that film. Yeah, I know, I know. about oh. that film. See, this is Pablo Larraín, uh, listeners, and he's the Chilean filmmaker who directed Jackie, which I absolutely loved this year. And I think this is fantastic. It's a fictionalised idea about an advertising executive who gets involved in the no campaign a famous no campaign in chile and the whole thing is about general pinochet or pinochet i don't know how to pronounce his name uh who was a sort of military dictator at the time i think it was in the 80s and he had had to uh essentially put it up for the equivalent of a referendum in chile about whether he should stay in power or whether he should leave power and a new party should take charge and the no campaign was underdogs no one thought they were going to win and here's this ad executive who comes in and says well we need to try this to connect with the chilean people and this is how we can win this is how we can make a big political statement and it's sort of a faux documentary uh, that follows Gail Garcia Bernal who plays this ad executive as he puts together the no campaign and films it and gets it across and it's just fascinating to watch because I didn't know anything about that period of history fictionalized as it is I really kind of believe this stuff went on behind the scenes it's a very kind of no-nonsense approach to what marketing and advertising looks like it's filmed in a different sort of ratio to match real footage well, and it, actually so? I think even the filming equipment I think he used the same film stock and almost videotape thing so that he could splice it together with the actual footage from some of that no campaign the real no campaign and you wouldn't tell the difference very well you said it has the best ever song for like, oh it's a, so a catchy if, if I was going to review this properly I would have just started singing Chile hey 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 <laughs> like if you see the not me if you hear the actual thing <laughs> you'll be singing it yourself it's, it's uh, I think it's a wonderful film and it, it sounds so boring in its premise but when you watch it the direction is just superb you feel so plugged in it's great I really recommend that one there you go so yeah A from me 
Well, man, I said it earlier. I, I don't really have many. <laughs> Is films that the I only see. thing you've seen? I've, well, yeah, I've been busy catching up on Logan and be Moonlight and stuff. I've been doing my real job. Oh, whatever. Come on, I'll try and race through a couple more. Ex Machina, which you raved about, Phil. Yeah, what did you think of that? I don't know what you thought of that. No, you don't. I caught it on Netflix the other day. It's just arrived on there. So if you got Netflix, check it out. Well, I didn't really enjoy it very much. I have to say, I think you can tell that it's well filmed and thought through, but it's not a very pleasant story. And honestly, Phil, I didn't think it added very much to that particular discussion about what does artificial intelligence look like what's the nature of humanity and in what way do we try and create and what are the mor- you don't what the think you don't think it that. kind of throws up the interesting ideas about no i haven't thought about it since oh, um, well no and I, I i yeah so i thought it was slightly taking itself a bit too seriously but i really loved all the performances i thought uh, oscar isaacs especially was fantastic i think i think it's a good film man i think it is a thinker and um yeah i think what, what I, i'll ask you off air what you thought the ending really meant Okay, I just thought that the progression of the plot was a bit too obvious for me. Okay, final one. Lego Batman, which is, of course, at the cinemas. Oh, you have seen it. Okay. I went to go and watch it because you... Uh, do you remember no, me saying... No, 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 no. I said, I said, I, some people won't like it, some people will. Is that what you said? I just thought, yeah. what I recall you saying. Look, I didn't really like it that much, Phil. There we go. And I should have listened to my inner miserable voice <laughs> um, because... <laughs> Your film instincts. It just wasn't that funny. The thing that really stood out to me was that you said, oh, it does this great spot-on parody and spoof of all these other Batman iterations that there have been. And I was getting ready to see, like, Lego Arnold Schwarzenegger playing Mr. Freeze or whoever he is. Oh, no, no, and, I didn't and, mean and like that And I was all. thinking, oh, it's going to be really funny, and they're going to have these little scenes that actually make a joke of it. But they didn't at all. It's just a... It's like the fastest quickest montage i've ever seen it's like blink and you miss it little visual representation and actually that became quite a good representation for me of the whole film the whole thing is just an assault it's just so quick fire the sound design is really poor i think like none of the action or any of the scenes they have have any weight or anything it just flies by a million miles a second and i just thought oh this is too much and it's boring that's how i felt Sorry, okay, man. It okay. would get. It'd probably get a C plus from me, um, for as great as the animation is, and everything I said to you about the claustrophobic nature of the sets, I thought was true as well. Maybe it's just not a film for you, man. I think not. I think I. It must be a type of humour that is just passing me by because it was annoying me with its constant attempts at being funny. I. I don't know. I made me chuckle. Good stuff, and I think a lot of people loved it. But there we are. So that's what we've been sort of mini watching. I've watched other things as well. I've watched too many things, but no time. And it's no good if I've seen them all and you've seen nothing. Well, I just, you know, you said we weren't going to do it. You <laughs> spring this on me without any preparation. Well, there we go, listeners. I hope that was a nice little diversion for you. We are still watching lots of movies. Except but you are. Listen, you yeah. are. I've got. <laughs> Season 2, episode 14, I think it is. I can't 14 already? Wow. I think that's right. Uh, over and done with. So it's officially 64 or something since we began, but it's actually more than that as well. What's the point in numbering when we can't even remember? Well, it's all your fault. I'm blaming you. Yeah, it Ever is Ever since you fault. did that AB and whatnot stuff yeah, yeah, way yeah, back in the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the picture, yeah. Uh, Judith, did you enjoy being on the show today? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. That's not what you were saying earlier. You were saying <laughs> you didn't enjoy being on the show. No, I hear hearing myself back. <laughs> oh, Judith, you sound great. You sound lovely. You really did. I Thank said, I'm you. very tired. <laughs> well, that's why we want. I wanted to get you on because I wanted everyone to see. You know, the, you know, we're, we're, we're ready. Life's ready happening. For... That's what's happening. Really. Thanks for the recovery. I was just going. Rub, rub, rub. <laughs> I didn't think I'd end that sentence. Listeners, thanks so much uh, for listening this week. Give us your thoughts on the Great Wall, on Moonlight, and on Logan. Of course, love to know your thoughts. Superbellybros at gmail.com at Superbellybros on Twitter. Please do get your nominations in. Thanks so much for those people who've already suggested uh, people for our categories on. That's the the rewards yep that's getting there Laurie chill do send them in we'd love to hear them ideally if you can just a 
remind you last year that's the super gold star for you because that means we can reuse the category next year yeah if not don't worry email them in thanks very much guys yeah and we'll be with you again well you never know we might still be with you next week who knows uh, but if we're not then there'll be some great placeholder little thing uh, to tide you over and you can all celebrate with me and Jude for a safe arrival of a little person and me I'm going to be an uncle or niece for you it's probably quite different for you though maybe I'm wrong about that Phil how dare you <laughs> this is important Phil oh thank you Juicy that's why she's my fave um, what, what are you talking about how very rude I just want to clarify not my favourite sister-in-law because I've got multiple sister-in-laws my favourite of you two <laughs> lovely really nice okay listeners have a great week stay in touch we'll speak with you again soon bye 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 okay Phil yet again I've got a huge list of possible bonuses which I feel like you're a bonus factory you're more interested in bonuses than films (laughs) that's not true but sometimes they're just not very good like I slightly regret my thank you hello ring ring one a few weeks ago (laughs) it made me chuckle good 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 okay now do you want to let me read you three and you can choose which one you want zebra crossings are the good guys of the road uh, trying to irritate um, ad service companies by deliberately doing left field browsing choices online or uh, bar scenes always the same I want to hear bar scenes always the same you didn't want Deborah Crossings for good guys that are right I feel like I don't, <laughs> it sums it up there I feel like I got that one without even having to listen to okay, the rest okay. so I just noticed that in a TV show or a film if you have a character who goes into a bar like to do something, to find out some information or to meet someone. Just have a drink in the corner. Yeah. Have you noticed the way that it's always exactly the same in a couple of checkbox features? So number one is they tend to get in without any trouble. <laughs> straight in. <laughs> no issues. No issues. They're always dressed just fine. They go in straight away. Number two, always, if it's a girl walking into the bar, some guy will check them out. Vice versa if it's a boy. They'll walk past someone in the bar who will obviously like turn around as they're stood at the corner of the bar and have a look at them. Oh, look at that. Look at that girl walking by. Has that ever happened to you in a bar? <laughs> yeah, all does the time, that, man. Yeah. <laughs> does that ever happen to anyone in a bar? <laughs> like, well, as soon as you walk past, everyone's like, oh, who's this just walked in? In reality, bar's like, how was your weekend? Do you know what I'm saying? Are you talking about clubs rather than bars? Well, it's a bit of both, isn't it? Yeah, but in films, they're often kind of the same thing, aren't they? I'm talking about that kind of bar, nightclub-y thing. I mean, it's fair to say any car, any sort of bar which is in like Hitch does not exist. Okay, like, I've never been call. to a bar which is actually like that ever in my life. No, well, this is kind of what I mean. Similarly, when they get to the bar, they never have any trouble getting a drink. <laughs> like they walk up and they put their arm on a table and almost immediately the bartender's like, hey. <laughs> and it's like, oh, hey, Frank. Or they're like, what can I get you, man? Like how many bars know who you are? Like unless you frequent the bar a lot, which they don't do in the film ever again. They just go the once and they seem to know them. That that's how they would know Frank. That's Frank's favorite drink. And then the other one is just like you walk in and they instantly see you give you a drink. My experience of going to bars generally is I walk in and lean forwards and try and like hold my credit card out or whatever it is to make it obvious I want to buy a drink and then have to deal with the server intentionally ignoring me a few times before yeah. I get served. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting to me that bar scenes are never you you're saying like this that. though, but you're the only person I've ever known who actually has been recognised in like a place you frequent in a coffee shop. You go to a coffee shop and they like know you yeah. and they know exactly what drink you're going to order. <laughs> I was like, how did you do that? It's like one of my fantasies is eventually is it, no, it to get that stage. It's actually one of your fantasies. Yeah, genuinely it is. That's, that's easy though because I work, you know, I'm a freelance man. I work around so I meet people all the time, meet these <laughs> coffee shop people. The, what's better is I have genuinely, I've saved money by doing this because I got an entire lunch from Presse Manger for free once when I forgot my wallet. Like a £10 lunch. They just gave it to me. Like, oh, have it. You'll be back again, won't you? That's what they said. What? <laughs>
yeah that's pretty good right and then again i went to london uh, to go see a screening and I, twice i got freebies at uh, the gbk in soho a guy just gave me a load of fries for free why? I, I, I don't know. And then later on that night in Pret-a-Manger again, I went through and asked for a decaf coffee and a croissant. And I asked the guy about bone broth. Have you ever heard about bone broth? Yes. Just a little bit of chit chat, man. Bit of banter. And gave me that order for free as well. Job done. Like, so <laughs> what, what it's definitely you, doable. What are you doing? I just being me, apparently. <laughs> it works. So maybe you're this guy. You're this guy who goes into no, bars and I trust maybe me, you are this person. I am not that guy. This it is sounds why, like this you are. You're, li- you're just freeloading <laughs> off life, it seems. No, no, Ridiculous. No, no. no, no. I pay for everything I get. You do agree with me about bars, though, right? In films? Yeah, I do. Good. It does. It, I mean, I'll say it again. I, I, no, I won't say it again. <laughs> um, yeah, let's move on. Okay, the Oscars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what have you been watching? Uh, Hold on, can I say that again? 